It is Wednesday, April 6, 2022, and that means it is a Blitz Day. That's right. Blitz Wednesday, where we interface week in and week out with Randy and Loper over at 99.7 The Blitz, where we've been answering, or trying to answer anyway, people's legal questions for the better part of a decade, maybe more now. Uh, and the idea is we take all comers, we take all callers. We, uh, if, you get a, if you're lucky enough to, to get through by text or by phone to the radio station, uh, I am portaled in using the uh, miracles of modern technology right here from my studio to theirs, and we take the questions. But if you didn't get through to the Blitz, if you still have a legal question, never worry, never fear. Or just go to LawyerTalkPodcast.com and submit your question right there, and I will do my best to answer it on our podcast in a separate bite-sized little segment that we release in our normal podcast feed. And the idea is we break it apart from the uh, normal roundtable discussions that we uh, have here at LawyerTalkPodcast.com, and uh, you don't have to wade through all of that uh, uh, dribble nonsense awesome awesomeness whatever you want to call it uh to get your question answered so uh we provide that service now and i think uh, we're getting a a lot of feedback that that folks like it uh and if you do like it uh feel free to become a patreon you can do that by going to lawyertalkpodcast.com we've got the patreon icon just hit just click that feel free to donate monthly whatever you want to donate you know a thousand bucks a month would be okay a dollar a month would be just fine too though so whatever you can do we appreciate it uh without further ado it looks like the blitz is ready to interface so here we go Hey, Steve Palmer. What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, how are you guys doing? My guy. Uh, hey, Steve, we got people lined up out the door to talk to you this morning. It's it's kind of nuts. 821-9970. In, in reality, we have one phone line that you guys can sneak in on right now if you, if you have a chance to. You want to ask Steve any questions? 821-9970. Jim is in Columbus, and he has a non-compete contract question. Hey, Jim, what's up, man? Good. Good. You're on with Steve Palmer. Good. Yeah, real quick. Um, I know these things get kind of tricky. So my my question is, um, non competes. How do they hold up uh, in court? Say say like a tradesman, like a carpenter, versus like a manager versus a salesperson. Are they geared towards one or the other? Or are well, they stronger? Yeah, it, harder it, to beat one or the other. It, it, you know, it all depends. Generally speaking, courts look at non competes uh, and assess them for. Uh, reasonableness in duration and geographic area. So it, it can't be unreasonably long. So if you know they can't just make you not uh, perform a job for years and years and years. Uh, and you know they can't. It, it can't be too broad. So if you're a tradesman or you work in Ohio, it can't really restrict uh, beyond Ohio unless the, their business also is beyond Ohio. In other words, it's got to be reasonable. Now the other part of it you have to look at is what's in the contract. And what is, uh, who signed it? Is it signed validly? Uh, and will that hold up? And that's more about uh, just the details of contract law. Um, as far as uh, considerations about uh, the profession, tradesmen versus um, sales or something like that, again, that's all going to, that might factor into the reasonableness questions uh, for each unique position. Um, I know that sounds sort of ambiguous, but, you know, most things in law are ambiguous as, as people are finding out. But, uh, that's my two cents on non-competes. Okay. All right. So, yeah, it's complicated, I know. Do you know any good uh, non-compete lawyers? Is it somebody specialized in that area? Yeah, if you give me a call, 614-224-6142, I can put you in touch with somebody. You know, we've uh, – a lot of times people can negotiate those. So if somebody wants out, uh, you might be able to negotiate it, or it may be that the other side doesn't care. 
Uh, sometimes I have people where the new job says, we don't care. Uh, we'll pay the claim or pay whatever uh, and help you get out of it. So it's uh, it really all depends. But, yeah, give me a shout. We'll get you plugged in with a good employment lawyer. All right. Well, hey, thanks. All right, man. Hey, thanks a lot for calling. We appreciate you. 821-9970-800-821-9970. We'll plug you in where that guy just dropped off. If the landlord gives you a notice of entry, but then doesn't come in, can they come in the next day without a new notice? Oh, yeah. So, like, how long is that valid for? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give you a, a good solid, I don't know. Um, that's one of those where I'd have to research it and see. Um, my instinct tells me that if they give you a notice of entry and it specifies a time and date and, and, and obviously a place, then they're going to have to be, uh, my gut tells me it's going to have to be pretty specific and they're going to have to be there then. Um, but I could be wrong, and this is one of those where this is a nuance of an area of law that I just don't, I don't swim around in very often, so I would want to punt on this one and get you a better answer after looking it up or referring you somewhere. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, people are texting in at 99700. You guys can uh, get your text in if you guys uh, have any questions for Steve. He wants to ask, uh, like, uh, you know, if that was an A question, here's his B part to it. Does an open maintenance ticket give them the right to enter whenever? He just wants to know. <laughs> Must be sure. Yeah, I'm going to guess not. I'm going to guess that uh, I assume by open maintenance ticket, somebody has uh, made a request of their landlord to fix something in the apartment. And uh, uh, I, I would say that that's not just an open ticket to come in whenever. I would think that there's going to have to be some parameters to that. And, you know, I, I should have said before, and I'll say it now, that the lease itself often will provide a lot of detail about this. You know, this is all that small print that nobody reads before they sign. Um, it can be important in these situations. So I would encourage you highly to dig through the small print, get out the magnifying glass, and, uh, and I'll bet you might find some answers to these questions within the lease terms. Because if there's a contract, generally that's going to govern as long as it's uh, within the bounds of the law. All right, let's go to Sarah. She's on line two here. Sarah, what's up? It's Loper and Randy. You are on with Steve Palmer and us. Hi. So my question was... Um I have a 14-year-old daughter, and her dad hasn't been in the picture for quite some time. And she's uh, recently said she wanted to change her last name. Um, is there a way that I can do that without having to get a lawyer, or do I have to have a lawyer? Well, you don't have to have a lawyer really for anything. You know, we do have rights to represent ourselves in the, in the justice system. The question, the better question is, should you have a lawyer? And, and I would almost always say yes to that. Uh, generally, here's how name changes work. You go to probate court, and you want to file a, an action to change the last name. Now, if there's a parent who's got an interest here, and it sounds like there is, that person has to get notice. Notice can come directly. It can come indirectly. And it might even be by publication where you have to you have to put it out there and somewhere in the general uh, public and uh, keep it out and posted long enough where the court can reasonably say, well, that's good enough. Uh, they should have seen it by now. And if they didn't, well, we don't care. Uh, that's good enough notice for us. And then they can move forward. Uh, these things can get sort of tricky. And that's why I almost always recommend when you when you go into something like this, you get an attorney. So uh, give me a shout. I'll be happy to give you a referral. 614-224-6142. Uh, Michael wrote in, our landlord sold our house that we were renting. The new landlord gave us 30 days to move out, even though uh, we were told as tenants we could stay. Dude, that's crazy. Now, the reason was to improve the house. Is this legal? Yeah. You know, these landlord-tenant things, we seem to get a lot of these questions, and it's just not my normal uh, everyday area of practice. I don't know all the nuances. This is one of those where I would want to read the lease. I would want to see exactly what was written about this 
uh, when you first originally signed and whether that would transfer to the new owner of the establishment. Um, my guess is that the new owner has looked at this and, and thinks that they can do this, but maybe not. Um, are they allowed to sell like before the the lease is up? Like, can you can you get someone in a lease and then just openly sell the house? Yeah, that can happen. It's usually addressed in the lease itself on how that shakes out, and I am sure, but I don't know uh, the details. I'm sure Ohio law addresses this uh, to the extent that it's not uh, set forth in the lease. So I, again, I would want to do some legal research and get a, a firm answer before I just went out on a limb on the air and give everybody bad advice. All right. Cool. I, I can you try to decipher that one? Yeah, uh, Cheryl uh, says that she is on SSDI uh, and she is up for a review. Um, unfortunately, she does have several felonies. What is SSDI? Uh, it's Social Security Disability ah, Insurance. So okay. you get, you know, okay. basically, it's if you can't work, um, like a pension. Yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. If okay. you can, from the government. She said yeah. the felonies are only felony five, and even public defender at the time was trying to get it lower to a misdemeanor, but it didn't work. Yeah, so I guess the question is going to be, are you still going to be eligible for benefits if you have felonies? Um, I I don't do this kind of work at all. Uh, This is like Stump the Lawyer Day. Uh, So I I couldn't tell you for sure. I can tell you this, though. If it's a low-level felony, a felony of the fifth degree, you can probably get that sealed. You can probably have your record cleaned up so the felony is treated as if it never happened. Uh, The general rules are you got there's a waiting period. Now on F5s, it's down to a year from the date you're done with whatever you had to do. So if you had to pay a fine or were on probation, once the fine is paid, probation is done, well, then you wait a year and you can file to have that record sealed up. And then a law would treat it like it like it never happened. So that would be a good prophylactic measure, no matter what you, what the rules are on the SSDI. Uh, so I would I would say again, this is probably I could probably figure this one out with uh, just some Google research. But uh, again, I hesitate to uh, go out on a limb when I don't know for sure. They are felony fives. She texted in. Yeah. So F fives, you can get your record sealed. That that right, that, so let's, that let's- I would do. Let's suppose a guy was going down to, I don't know, like do some media coverage of the UFC, like when it was in town. Okay. Let's just suppose something like that. And let's suppose this journalist parked right next to the Chase Bank downtown behind the hotel where everything was going down for the UFC. Okay, fine. It says only what, like 30 minute parking or something like that. But I had an app where, I mean, the person had an app. And every 30 minutes, this person would renew the money in on the machine. So I, that person could stay parked there. Now, maybe there were like a minute or two in between, like trying to get the app to work or whatever. Well, anyhow, this person came out to three tickets on their truck. And I mean, it's only about 50 bucks, but still like. Can you sue the city for being bitches? I mean, like, because I kind of seem like this is like awful, you know, we're nitpicking at this point. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I don't know if suing for being a bitch is a uh, is a technical cause of action. Should but be. It, well, look, I, I can't disagree with that, but I, I can say this. You might be able to challenge or this person might be able to challenge the parking tickets. Uh, if you look at the back or this individual looks at the back of the ticket, there's probably some fine print yeah. that talks about uh, how to do that. And I've actually had success not only on my own behalf, but others behalf, uh, just sort of tinkering with the parking ticket people. 
Uh, sometimes the notices aren't correct. Sometimes the signs aren't so accurate. Sometimes uh, they just don't get it right. And it sounds like this individual was operating in good faith to pump money into the meters via the app. And maybe that uh, failed for no fault of their own or by no fault of their own. And uh, it sounds like there might be a technical defense here that uh, is certainly worth exploring. Uh, if I knew who this person was, I'd probably offer to help. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I'm gonna if I can hunt him down, I'm gonna let him know. Right. Okay, uh, Randy, do we have okay. another? Yeah, one we here? have a few. Uh, John Parker says if I filed a claim for, gosh, what's this word? R e p l e v i n. I don't know. Replevin. 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 Yeah. Is that a that's normal? Okay. And I won the action <laughs> and got an order of possession, but the defendant still refuses to return my property worth about twenty two thousand dollars. She also will not come to court to answer why. Or how do I move forward with the judge? Oh, she will not come to court to answer why. How do I move forward uh, with the judge in my case? He seems to be nudging me to file something else, but he will not give me legal advice. Yeah, there's got to be a way to execute that judgment. So replevin is basically a cause of action. So you file a lawsuit against somebody that says, give me my stuff back. Give me my property back. You know, a lot of times we sue people if they've taken your stuff, you know, all you get is money. But replevin is one of those remedies where you can actually get an order to, to have the stuff returned. Um, and that's what's happened here. Uh, now, and how do you enforce it? Uh, it probably has something to do with getting the sheriffs involved to go uh, take some action. And that probably requires um, some additional filings with the clerk of courts on getting that done. You know, there's different um, ways to collect or enforce judgments. Uh, I don't know precisely how to do it, but you might start with the clerk of courts and uh, ask them what you can do to get the judgment enforced. Uh, short of that, uh, I hate to say it, but you might need some legal help. It sounds like there's enough property at stake here where it might be worth uh, getting bending somebody's ear on this and getting some help. Uh, and give me a shout, 614-224-6142. If I can't answer the question quickly, I will, uh, I'll point you in the right direction. All right, let's go to Chris here uh, for Steve on line two. It's Loper and Randy. Chris, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. You're on with Steve Palmer. Go ahead. Uh, I had a question about, you talked about felony fives being sealable. What is the statute? Or are you able to seal felony ones or twos? No, generally not. I don't believe ones or twos uh, can be sealed yet in Ohio. Uh, you know, there's a couple exclusions on record sealing. Uh, and they would be the higher level felonies like you're discussing and offenses of violence, offenses involving children uh, and some of the like. Now, offenses of violence doesn't always mean what it sound like or mean like what it sounds like or mean what it sounds like, I guess. Uh, sometimes it, 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 you have to look at the Ohio Revised Code and it tells you which crimes are actually offenses of violence. But, you know, ones and twos, yeah, maybe, probably not. All righty. I appreciate it. All right, let's go to the text machine here. Randy has yeah. uh, one standing by. All right, Stephen said, I had my vehicle painted at Mako. The company uh, put overspray all over my frame and exhaust and did damage to my vehicle when I went to pick it up. It was dirty, scratched, and they're supposedly going to fix it. But what if they don't, what can I do about it? You can sue them. You know, if uh, you paid people to do a job and the job was uh, not done uh, in accordance with industry standards, and this sounds like it wasn't, then, you know, in theory, you go down to small claims court and you file a lawsuit for, uh, for, the, for the cost. And not only the cost of what they did, but the cost of repair. So you, you want to get an estimate if they don't fix this, if they don't make it right. You're going to want to take it to a body shop or a car painter who's reputable and get an estimate to fix it. Get an opinion that it wasn't done correctly. Get an estimate to fix it. And then, uh, you know, as the old saying goes, take them to court. All right. One more on text. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have, I filed um, 
Uh, oh, my God. Where'd it go? I'm so sorry, guys. You want me to take the uh, phone call? I take, take the phone, phone call first, right, yes. Here's Mike on line three. Mike, how are you? Good. Fine. Thank you. Hey, it was nice to see you on the news the other day, Steve. Good to put a face uh, face with the boys. Anyway, I had a question about getting uh, the uh, on your phone, getting texts from companies. And when you put in stop, you know how they stop? Well, since last September, I've been putting stop into my phone company. And they say, oh, 10 days later, you won't get any more text. I, I sound like a crazy person cussing at them now. Yeah, because they keep on coming. Oh, so is there any way to make them to actually make them stop? Man, I don't. You know, I, I over the years there's been different. Uh, I, I've heard that there might be some consumer protection issues going on here, but uh, I, I don't know. I, w- I would think you know a place to look. Obviously, just Google it and see what people say. But the attorney general for the state of Ohio sometimes have consumer protection. Uh, uh, information up. I, I don't know personally because I, I, these things frustrate me. I, I try to block all the numbers that I get. I try to, uh, I write stop. I do different things and sometimes they still just keep on coming. And worse, I think, are the phone calls. You know, the people that want to buy my house that I sold 10 years ago. Uh, but it's, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. It, isn't it? It's nauseating. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. It used to be like when these faxes were coming and people would get faxes and, and the consumer protection laws would actually let you, uh, uh, file a lawsuit and, re- and recover some damages. So I, I know I'm not giving you a, sp- a specific answer, but uh, I would start by looking at the consumer protection laws on uh, how that works. You know, my, my dad has always complained about this too, and he wants to sue the world. And I think uh, <laughs> somebody sooner or later is going to find a way to stop it. All right, man. Well, yeah. good luck to you. That, I, that, hey, that I, is I, really I, annoying. I appreciate it. What? Driving me nuts. It's like a crazy person. Yeah, my, my friend All tried right. that with his ex-wife, too. He just wrote stop when she was texting. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't work either. Uh, now, Nikki said my mom is divorcing my dad due to domestic violence. They've owned their home for 24 years. The loan is in his name because of a VA loan. He's holding the house over her head to control her. Is this legal? Yeah, legal is not the right way way to look at it. Here's the deal. When you're married and all the property you acquired during the course of your marriage, it becomes marital property, generally speaking. All the debt you acquired during the course of the marriage becomes marital debt, generally speaking. So just because a loan's in one person's name and not the other doesn't necessarily mean that the other's not responsible for it. And same is true with, with assets that are owned in one person's name and not the other. Uh, when the divorce court gets a hold of it, they're going to... Uh, they're going to just move it all around and shift the board around and try to make it equal. So just because he's the only one on the note doesn't mean that it's all his and he gets to uh, call the shots. So is it legal? Well, you know, he's doing it. So and I don't know what he's saying breaks the law, but what the court will do with it later uh, is probably a different thing. Uh, Ty said, my girlfriend's baby daddy owns a transmission shop that makes over 300 K a year. He does a lot of work under the table cash to avoid paying taxes. <laughs> he claims he only makes 20 grand a year to avoid paying child support. Anything she can do. Well, if she can prove that those are all, you know, there's a couple things she can do. First of all, the IRS isn't going to like hearing, uh, that somebody is making money under the table. Now I don't, I'm not taking this as uh, one way or another, if it's true that it's happening, well then, uh, and the IRS finds out they're not going to like that. As far as the court goes, if you go to court and file an action uh, to have the income established uh, and you can bring in evidence that uh, this person is hiding income, the court's not going to like that either. And what they'll end up doing is imputing their income to a different amount uh, than what they're stating it as. So if I go in and, and say I'm only making 10000 a year and I'm really making 100 and uh, I'm living a lifestyle that would be closer to the 100 mark, well, courts aren't going to buy it, and uh, they're going to issue a child support order that's more commensurate with what my income actually is based on uh, all the other circumstances aside from what I'm saying. 
All right, man. Well, good luck to everybody out there. Uh, Steve Palmer with us each and every Wednesday, just after 830. We appreciate you, Steve. Yeah, love coming in or, or love phoning in, I guess. One of these days I got to get over there, but uh, I'm, I'm happy yeah, to man. Let's, let's go old school. The pandemic is over. Um, if they want to get in touch with you off the air, what's the best way? Uh, it's simple. 614-224-6142. Go ahead and put that number in your phone right now. That way, if you find yourself in the back of the cruiser for some ungodly reason, you'll be able to just uh, hit send instead of have to look it up. Rick. All right. Uh, see you later, Steve. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Another great uh, Blitz interface uh, with uh, with good questions. You know, a lot of landlord-tenant stuff, uh, some disability stuff. Uh, and, I, and I should just say, you know, I don't always uh, I, I don't always profess to know everything and I can't always answer all the questions uh, precisely. I try to give my best assessment of a problem. And I think, um, you know, I, I think uh, professionally uh, and reasonably, it doesn't make sense for me to give people advice when I don't know the answer. So sometimes I just say I don't know or I say I punt or I'd have to look it up and, and I'd, I'd like to know more information. Uh, a lot of times we as lawyers end up having to do that. So, you know, my dad used to say he was an attorney is that he knew he was experienced when he could say, I don't know the answer to that question without feeling nervous about it. Uh, because you know, the more, the more you practice, the longer you do it, the more you recognize it. Our duty is not to just, um, supply legal advice. Our duty is to supply advice that is correct and give people information that is correct and help them legitimately solve their problems. And, uh, that's what I try to do. Um, so if I don't know it, please, uh, understand it doesn't make me uh i I don't think i think it makes me a better lawyer not a worse lawyer so uh, i felt like i had to offer that uh, little bit of wisdom there at the end uh now the blitz we're we're tuning in every single wednesday uh, as i've discussed here and before we've got our q a series and our roundtable series at lawyertalkpodcast.com uh check it out download it subscribe wherever you get your podcast if you happen to want your own podcast we can help too go to channel511.com hook you up with brett circle 270 media and uh we can launch your podcast into the stratosphere. Trust me, he can do it. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So without uh, with that, we will uh, sign off. This is Lawyer Talk with the Blitz off the record on the air, at least until now.